And good morning, everyone. Obviously, I am not Tony Beam. I'm waving at everybody on Facebook. I'm Lisa Van Riper and Gary Miller. It's so good to be here with you. It's good to see you. It's been a while. I thought you would never go ask me out again. <laughs> well, it's here we hey. are. Or hey. ask or ask me in. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to tell you, I don't get up early anymore for just everybody. I know. I but know. This I is had important. to come in when. When Dr. Beam called me yesterday and said, could you come in for the second hour? He knew better than ask about the first hour, you know, and he knew that. (laughs) I was so delighted because I understand you are retiring. Yes, ma'am. You are retiring. Mm -hmm. Gary, you don't look old enough to retire. I know. You must have started working when you were like 15 years old or something. Start working early, you know, put away a dime here or there and, you know. And here we are. Pretty soon you can retire when you get really old like me. Uh, you're not really old. I have no sympathy for you, brother. I mean, I had another birthday last week, okay? so mm-hmm. And that makes me think, when did you start? When did his radio talks start? Because I know we're changing formats. I know we're changing formats. It's right around 2000. 2000. Because I know we were on the air during uh, 9-11, which was 2001. Okay, so almost a quarter of a century. I think Tony started like the... April before to before 9/11 that was 2001 and we had already been on the air doing trying to do something else with it in the morning for about a year, six months or a year. Okay, so, so the talk side of this station, mm-hmm. because when I started listening to WLFJ, yes. a- uh, FM. With the love from Jesus. With love from Jesus, yes. And I, in fact, I heard one of the own, my own staff people, Lindsey Graham, not Senator, but the almost right Reverend Lindsey Graham yes. down at First Presbyterian, I know who him. had a little devotional time, and it would have been sometime like in the mid '80s, okay? Yes. Mm-hmm. And and at that point, there was a lot of teaching also on the radio side. You had a public policy program called Feedback, yes. And what a lot of people probably don't know, it was WLFJ that really help get me started in the pro-life movement Mm -hmm. because I discovered in 1987, you know, what Roe v. Wade had really done. And so I I needed some vehicle to venue to get this word out, you know, that we really had in Roe v. Wade given a third party the right to kill another person to solve their social and economic problems. And I thought, oh, my my goodness, this is in now a fundamental right in the U.S. Constitution. This is go ahead straight to infanticide, straight to euthanasia, et cetera. I, I saw that danger. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how how do I make this widely known? Well, I knew about, I think it was um, Diane, Laboon. Diane Laboon, who was doing feedback mm-hmm. at that time. And I sent her this three-page, four-page legal it was on legal, you know, yes. yellow paper, and and I send her this and tell her what I had discovered because I had been publicly pro-choice to that point, mm-hmm. and so I, I was just absolutely astounded about the humanity of the unborn, the inhumanity of abortion to the woman and the child, the extremity of our law really was for all nine months for in, about any reason, mm-hmm. and then. The reasons people were having abortion, they weren't the so-called, what I'm going to call them the so-called, and I don't minimize this, okay? I'm not saying so-called, but the often called, quote, hard cases, okay, yes. of the rape, incest, life of mother, and yes. a fatal fetal anomaly, okay? Exactly. Those are the ones, about 5% of abortion. Uh-uh. 
those are being used emotionally to keep abortion legal for any reason, no reason, don't have to give a reason, you know? Right. And so I sent all this to Diane Laboon. And then I didn't hear anything. And you know what? I thought, oops, hello. Let me turn this off. Um, and so then I didn't hear anything. And I thought, oh, she thinks I'm a nut. <laughs> of course, a lot of people do think I'm a nut. So, you know, whatever. That's right. So, But anyway, two months later, she calls and said, I've saved this mm-hmm. because January Sanctity of Life Month. Of course, I didn't know that. Right. And she said, you can have an hour to come on. Feedback was an hour. You can have an yes. hour to come on and tell us all about this. And I said, you don't need an hour. Everything I knew was in that couple of sheets of paper. I said, just read it. Just read it on the air. She said, no, you're coming. Yep. And you can bring somebody. Well, I don't know anybody. But I found a lawyer uh, with a pro-life organization, an adoption agency, right. who was willing to come on with me. A lot of people would not come on. Exactly. And but I found one, and he came on, and I was learning so much that I was on the on the microphone like I am today, and he was talking and telling me, telling our audience even more. And I said, "Oh man, I didn't know that." <laughs> <laughs> that was my first interview on Pro Life was on this station, and all that to say, mm-hmm. WLFJ has really. And then we had James Dobson on that side of the station. We had so much. We had mm-hmm. Chuck Colson with Breakpoint. We had all this. It was a growth experience for me. And then when you all devoted an entire, you know, frequency to nothing but teaching and talk, it's just been wonderful. So you have have a real legacy. You have, I just want you to know, Gary, you have a real legacy and we've, we've grown older. Yes. As this, as this frequency has been devoted to talk, to talk and teach. And I thought about Corey and Hannah and Josh Kimbrell. We've seen these mm-hmm. young people grow into great adults. As we've grown older, we've also seen these folks grow through this station That's right. into really such valued spokespeople today. Mm-hmm. So I, I was so excited to be able to come in and say thank you. Wow. Thank you for your life. Wow. There's a reason that in the, people can't see this, but in this studio over in this wall, it's right over here to my right. Everything's to my right, okay? But <laughs> anyway, to my right is you got the President's Award one year from South Carolina Citizens for Life. And brother, we could have given that to you and to this station Every year, because you have really, really kept this issue out front for the church. And that, it will be the church rising up. It will be the church rising up. Mm -hmm. We have a huge network. I thought about this this morning. Yeah, the left has their network, and they've got the media, the social media. They've got education. They've got a lot of the medical community. I understand, but we have the church and did right. you know more people meet on Sunday morning in the churches than we meet at all the football games and everything? The bottom line is, if we speak up, if we speak for those who are being led to the slaughter, yes. if we speak up, this scourge will end. And we've got 40 Days for Life right now going on mm-hmm. right here in our city. And I just encourage people, guys, first of all, get on your knees Get on your knees and pray. We need a move for God, not just on this issue. We need a move for God across the board. But when you when you look full in the face of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and know how he laid down his life for you, could we not then stand up for the literal life of these unborn children and for these mothers, these mm-hmm. mothers? So we've got 40 Days for Life. 
as we reflect on what the Lord did for us, I hope we will also reflect on what we can do for others. And who is more vulnerable than that child in the womb with a mother who's facing a problem? I mean, who is more vulnerable today? Mm So anyway, uh, contact, you can go online and find 40 Days for Life Greenville. We can get in contact with them. They need folks to come out and pray with them. Mm -hmm. I had the honor of speaking to them at their opening on um, Tuesday night. It was just wonderful. Excellent. And we can speak up. We can first bow, and then we can stand up and, and speak. And you've been doing that, and thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And we have the young people coming up, so it's a good time for me to kind of step aside and let them go. So they're well. We're they're going to miss role. the talk teach side. You know, I'm, we're going to miss the talk teach side. But right. I know you all have given people plenty of notice, mm-hmm. and we do need to continue, folks. And we can talk about this as we come back after the break. But we do need to make sure we stay informed because you have made it very easy, Mister Miller, for us to just flip on that radio and get get most of the information we've needed. It's going to be a little different how we get it, but we've got to get it. (laughs) And Gary, it's just so good to be here with you today and celebrate your retirement. I I watched a movie about retirement last night. I went to see 80 for Brady. You know why I went to to see 80 for Brady? No, why? Well, really two reasons, okay? One is, you know, I'm now retired and approaching 80, okay? (laughs) And second, and second... Tom Brady was always on my fantasy football team, okay? And I chose my fantasy football team a lot different than other people. Mine were all quarterbacks that were cute, (laughs) okay? It didn't matter if they could throw the ball or anything. It drove my son-in-law's nuts, you know? They'd be sitting there and picking their fantasy football team, and they'd be looking at all all these statistics and everything, and I'd say, man. You know, Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I just drew Brees. I just go down. They say, Lisa, they're all quarterbacks. I said, I know. <laughs> and I wouldn't know anything about it. But then I kind of got upset with Tom. When he divorced his wife, you know, or she divorced me. I, I knew, you know, I was sad for him. I was sad for him. And then he came back and had such a terrible season. And he should have retired. He should have stayed. Hey, he should have stayed retired, Gary. And yes. some of our listeners this morning may be saying, "Lisa, you need to go back home too, and you should have stayed retired." <laughs> no. But uh, anyways, really cute. It had a good. It had a good point about sure. motivation and and so forth. But uh, and fairly pretty clean too. Pretty clean, funny. You know, four old ladies running around. I could see myself doing it with a Tom Brady shirt on. <laughs> So they all had sequins on their shirts, and I don't have sequins. You know, speaking of sequins, I remember when this show had no Facebook over there, okay? That's right. And when I'd come in and substitute for, you know, take the last 15 minutes for Tony so he could go up to his high-powered meeting. That's right. Okay, so I can remember, because I've always run late everywhere, I can remember coming in here almost with my pajama pants on, no makeup, didn't have to do my hair, just roll out of bed, roll out of bed about 8 o'clock, roll into the car, roll over here, catch the last part of the show, Mm -hmm. and kind of roll into it, you know? (laughs) And now, I had to get up at 6 o'clock this morning, I had to roll my hair, I had to put on a top that matched my pants, and I didn't know if y'all were going to show my feet now. I mean, it's it's really changed. Radio has really, really changed. Mm-hmm. So, well, you can blame that on Corey Truax. Cause is he the one who he started, started this? He started doing that, and then Tony Cal- saw it. Corey. Then, yes. Golly. 
I've even got this stuff that plumps up my lips now, and I forgot to put that on. So, you know, I hope the camera isn't really clamped. Have we got a call coming in? Someone to break the sequence here? Um, we're, we are taking calls this morning, and we are going to segue into a very serious topic in just a few minutes as soon as, as, soon as my coffee pops in and I am awake. Do we have a caller? We do. We have Ira. Ira wants to talk to us this morning. Yes. Does he want to talk to me about Tom Brady? I'm not sure. Or sequins? You're going to have to ask him. Or lip plumper? Hair color? Ira, how are you this morning? Fine. Good morning. (laughs) No, I wonder about Gary. But before I do that, I just want to say, no, not Tom Brady. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, and he always ruins it for us every year with his with him in, in, in the New England team. But anyway, that's not the that's subject. No, the time. Bills. Hey, but, we could uh, get off on the Bills this year, but we won't. Ira, why did you go? <laughs> well, you know, Guy Lombardo, the great Guy Lombardo, the band leader, every year yes. on New Year's Eve would come out and play Old Lang Syne. And he once said when he retires, he's taking New Year's Eve with him. And sure enough, it's not the same anymore with these other people taking over. Gary did one better. Now he's retiring, and he took W. He took the talk radio with him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. He is. But but Ira, let's use this as your call as a segue here. It is very important that while while WLFJ is doing a different kind of format now on these frequencies, okay, and and they do a great job with their praise music and their prayer line and all those things, and and I'm sure that these frequencies will go out a lot to our community. At the same time, when we're not listening to uh, our, our music and so forth, we still need to find a way to keep informed ira and so while gary is going off into the sunset somewhere to places undisclosed at this point Mm -hmm. we are going to have to pay attention to where we can most effectively and efficiently get the news for us and you know it's not going to be as easy as just cut on the radio now and jump into whatever teaching and talk is going on so um we we are glad and and you know in some ways i'm not sure this could be have been continued or replaced without gary so sometimes it's just better to let guy lombardo go on and take new year's eve with him but with with deep appreciation and i do love the way that that this side of the station is preparing us with information from like i heard with Uh, Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, is saying, here's how you can find this same programming. Tony Beam is doing the same thing. I know we can click on to Breakpoint and get that information. Mm -hmm. And so as this— Dr. Jackson. Yeah, Dr. Jackson. As we begin to enter kind of this long goodbye (laughs) of March, Mm -hmm. I I think I, I I just hope all of us will pay really close attention particularly to the news sources and teaching sources we've used off of this station and say, how can I continue that? Because they've been valuable to our life. And, and Ira, I know you know this. We need more information, not less information, to deal responsibly as Christians with our culture. And this has been a great encouragement, yes. a great encouragement. So, um, Ira, thanks for calling. I remember when I was closing out with Tony, you would often call me, and I thank you. Appreciate it. It's been Uh, great knowing you by by radio. 
Well, and and you will continue, Gary. I mean, we have been, I know, as South Carolina Citizens for Life, I have called in and let you know about things going on. Tony's kept this forefront. Uh, I know 40 Days for Life has always, you know, we we have counted on this station. And I'm sure the other side, we're going to be able to still get uh, our PSAs done and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we need to listen up. And I really encourage each of you. It's going to be a little harder. You're, you may, you're going to have to ta- tag into, you know, podcast or go online and go to websites and stuff. But pay attention. You all know that you've had a couple of sources that have been particularly informative to you. Uh, Worldview with Dr. Tony Beam. Really, really, I joke about sleeping in, but most days, most of the days, I don't always click on that I'm watching, but most of the days I am I am listening to portions of this show, okay? That's really been wonderful for me because Tony Beam reads the Atlantic and all this stuff, you know, that I don't do, and he reads it, and he then brings it down and brings us the most important things. Y'all don't us underestimate that, so Remember, he's going to be on at 7.30 in the morning. Same kind of deal. Go to Facebook. We're going to find him. You go get to look at his face, everything. It's just going to be. And, and really, once you take the, the, the bumpers out and all that, he's going to be able to get most of what he got in in two hours, right, Gary, mm-hmm. into one hour. So sure. you can still get that if that's the best way for you to get news. Family Research Council. I have when I'm out of out of town and haven't been able to tune into this frequency. Right. I've gone online and listened to their show live. And you can see Tony Perkins' face. Exactly. I mean, there he is. And you will n- take note, what do I need to be a good witness in this culture? You certainly need the Lord. You need the scriptures. You need to be associated with a local church. I'm not going to just say associate. You need to be active with a local church. Mm-hmm. You also need to know what's going on in the culture. Right. Ben Franklin used to say, have a Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. And that's the way you can affect your culture. You've got to know both. You've got to know truth and you've got to know what's going on. So figure out where have I been getting this information. And remember, not every source of information comes through a Christian worldview. That should be important to you, or you can get off into tactics and methods that are not pleasing to the Lord, not glorifying to the Lord. So this is going to be important. For the next month, you listen. Really take an inventory. What have you been listening to on this station, and how is it going to be replaced? So that's a very important question, I think, as we come up on the end of february and move into Mm -hmm. march and so brother here you're going to have to help us make that transition okay i mean you've got to help us guy lombardo you can't just take new year's eve and leave well we will and of course tony you will be able to watch uh uh, you know on facebook and the other programs also especially jay seculo he does one online where you can actually watch what you hear live here at 12 noon he's actually doing like a, a video on online, so you can mm-hmm. see the same program. Dr. Michael Brown does the same thing at 3 o'clock. 
Steve Noble does the same thing at 4 o'clock. And by the way, we carry all of those programs live. So that's the same time that they would be live on the Internet. So you can find the same with uh, Tony Perkins, all those programs. So what we have to do, if those have been valued news sources for us Mm -hmm. and analysis, because they bring an analysis also from a Christian worldview. Right. Instead of going to the radio, we simply go to our iPhone or computer or whatever we device we use, and we click it on. Exactly. And so it's just a different, well, it's a different click, same information. And again, always coming back to the format with WLFJ with the wonderful music and prayer lines mm-hmm. and other things that they offer. Right, exactly, because you can only take so much. <laughs> well, I can take a At lot. Now, I have to tell you, I can take it. My wife has to listen to the Praise Channel. Uh-huh. Anytime she's in the car, we're on the Praise Channel. We're on the Praise Channel, yeah, yeah. And I, I would think. probably do better if I turned to, <laughs> turned to that. And I would say, well, this is what we're doing right now. She said, well, I listen to the Praise Channel. I'm not listening to you, but you're my wife. You're supposed to listen to me. She says, I listen to you enough at home. So that's uh, that's how it works. So you just find yeah, what, my, what that niche is in your life. Yeah, we we find and and we and again, <laughs> some people like Tony, they get on and they do all this reading and listen to these deep podcasts. Yeah. We, for me, I need to find somebody who can distill that for me. Yes. So so I can do my Zoom calls with South Carolina Citizens for Life, which that's I have it. another one tomorrow. I can't get off these Zoom calls. We have a very a wonderful guest who's going to be with us. We're actually going to talk about an issue other than how we get news on our issues. Uh, Speaking of information, you know, my area is sanctity of life. That's my, not that I don't care about other issues, but you have to kind of pick one if you're going to be the president of the organization, you know. Mm -hmm. But for people who want to stay up to date with legislation in South Carolina, because, of course, we are post Roe v. Wade, With the Dobbs decision in June, abortion did not end, and the Supreme Court did not tell any state it had to end. They just said, hey, you can't hide behind our robes anymore. You guys are now the ones that are going to make the decision. So South Carolina, uh, until the fetal heartbeat bill was overturned by one vote in the South Carolina Supreme uh, Court, we, we had made great, great headway and would have had our attorney general had that fetal heartbeat bill in place within five days after the Dobbs decision. Thank yes. you, Alan Wilson. And um, we were we were ready to go. And abortions did go down 50% during that, that seven-week period when it was in force. Mm-hmm. But the bad news is no fault of the legislature, no fault here. Uh, we, we did have a by one vote. Our South Carolina Supreme Court did not uphold that. However, they left the door open to do other things, and may and we're we've drafted a uh, we've drafted we've drafted a bill. Well, McCravey has that should answer some of their concerns and also even do better than heartbeat and move us back to conception. And that passed the House last week, mm-hmm. um, eighty-three to thirty-one. I wow. mean, guys, that was a mandate. Um, it will prevent 95% of the abortions, and it's handing the Senate back exactly what the Senate said it wanted was a um, a bill with um, what are what are often called the hard cases, okay, but with restrictions on those hard cases, 
on, yeah. you know, ending abortions at rape at 12 weeks, requiring two doctors. If there is a suspected fatal fetal anomaly, that means the child probably will not live past birth. Okay. Right. Those kinds of things. They're, they've tightened it up and given children, even in these hard cases, um, due process under the law and protection and said here's protections and so 95 percent of abortions could be uh could be stopped now it's in the senate the senate would prefer the fetal heartbeat bill Mm -hmm. um we're not going to say that's a bad bill because we worked hard for that okay but human life protection act is the most protective piece of legislation we can work for right now i want to give our audience because um, after April 1st, if uh, you but go on and do this today, if you will text SC Life, that's a big S, a big C, a big L, and then I F E, SC Life, and text it to this number 50457, you will get automatic updates. That will allow you to just click a button and it'll take you to your senator and your house member. And it already has a message you can use or you can compose your own. And you just click. And and two weeks, three weeks ago, we reached six. We reached. No, we reached more than this, but six thousand people across our state reached just the Judiciary Committee in 24 hours. 6,000 people. Now, y'all, this doesn't cost you anything. South Carolina Citizens for Life pays for this platform. You just download it and say you want to be in it, and you it's just a click. It is a click, and it tells you quickly what the update is on anything going on on pro-life legislatively in this state. So I go to my text messages, yep. like I'm going to write a message, and uh-huh. I write SC Life. So I write that, and then I text it to that number, 550457, and then hit and you And you'll get something back asking if you're opting in. I see. And that's it. That, that is it, and enough. it will do the rest of it for you. It will find your, like you're moving. Mm-hmm. We won't say where you're going, right. but because everybody want to go with you, Gary. But <clears throat> when you go down there, if you'll click into this right. now, you will not have to even look up your representative and senator. This will do it for you when you get down there. Yay! So you might not want to do it till you move. That's right. Yeah, because well, it's gonna track you. So anyway, it will. It will. You'll put in your address and stuff, and it'll. It'll do the rest of it for you. Up. Okay. Exactly. So it is designed to really make it easy because we've. We you know we got to do it quickly. Now I've given you a quick update. That's where we are. We're working to get the Senate to pass the Human Life Protection Act. Okay. Not in any way saying we're not grateful for their Senate passing the fetal heartbeat bill, okay? But we know in South Carolina we can go all the way to conception, okay? We can go all the way. We can close the gap. That's what I'm calling it, close the gap between heartbeat and conception because every human life begins there. Not one human life, if you stop it in that gap, 
forever that human being will not exist. Wow. And I have with us today mm-hmm. a lady who's going to, we're going to have to do this very quickly, Miss Amy, but she has <laughs> written a book, and I'm going to hold it up right here so those on the Facebook can watch. This is called Hope by Amy R. Murray, and it's called Hope for a Better Life. And this lady today, she actually is one of those who has her mother gave her hope for a better life. And I wanted you to quickly tell us tell us your tell us your story, Amy. Thank you, Lisa. Um, it's great to be here with you and Gary this morning. I really appreciate the opportunity to tell my story because God had his hand in all of it. Um, my story begins with my adoption. My parents adopted me from the Children's Home Society of North Carolina when I was three months old. And I can never remember not knowing I was adopted. Um, I always felt chosen and special. And I just know that adoption is a great option for, um, for families. Uh, my parents wanted children so badly, and, and um, I needed a family. And because of adoption, I was given many opportunities. I was allowed to go to college and have a career. I was an elementary school teacher and counselor in Berkeley and Dorchester, two district schools, for 27 <laughs> years. And, you know, I always chose to work in high-poverty schools. That's where there are the greatest needs in families mm-hmm. and children that are living in poverty. And I just felt so fortunate. I knew I could have been one of those children, but I wasn't. Um, and so I wanted to help those children. Amy, that so you always knew you were adopted. Yes. And it was a wonderful experience, of course, for your adopted parents because yes. they would not have had a child exactly. to, to rear. And it was, of course, wonderful for you because you had life yes. and you had a wonderful life. I think, you know, unfortunately, some people, not all, but some who promote abortion try to make adoption look not like not a good option you know how can you know but it was a good option we know it's good for you because you here you are a lovely lady and i go to church with you at first press we serve on the light and life pro-life ministry together and it was wonderful experience for your parents you know we also hear though sometimes that it's so painful for the mother who who places her child for adoption and that abortion is better you know abortion is better for the woman she shouldn't have to go through that there's another side to your story though that really sheds light on how how this was also you found out very good for your birth mother can you now tell us a little bit about the more to your story because there's more yes i would love to so when i was 43 years old I got a call from the adoption agency that they had a letter from my birth mother. And I was so surprised because the adoption was closed. I had grown up knowing I'd never meet my birth mother. And that was okay with me because God had given me great parents, right? Well, so they had this letter and adoption laws had changed in North Carolina. They could pass the letter on to me without the identifying information. So... um, I said, sure, send the letter, and the letter came, and I learned a little bit about my birth mother. Um, I learned she grew up in England during World War II, 
and that she was 11 years old when the war broke out. Her job was to take care of her baby sister while everybody else in the family was involved in the war efforts, and her brother was flying the Spitfire plane um, when he was just 15 years old. It was quite a remarkable story. So I learned that in that first letter, and I learned that after the war, though, things were bad in England, but she had um, an aunt and uncle in Jacksonville, Florida, who offered to sponsor her to come to the United States. So she came to the United States, she got a job, and she was looking forward to becoming a United States citizen. Things were going really great for her, but then about three years later, she became pregnant with me, and she was worried that she would lose her green card and her job, and she didn't know what to do. Um, she found a home, um, for, uh, a Red Cross home for unwed mothers in Greensboro, North Carolina, and she went and stayed there until I was born. Um, and so you get this letter out mm -hmm. of the blue. Right. You had not thought about connecting again. You were happy in your life. Right. Love your parents. Mm -hmm. um, had a full life. You were married at 43, and you had a daughter, I believe, of course, yes. by that time. Yes. So uh, did you immediately write her back? What did you do? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me. Um I, I didn't know at first what to do. I was really conflicted because I did have a great life, and I was concerned that if I wrote her back, it could start a relationship that, you know, I wasn't sure I really wanted, and I was concerned about the impact it might have eventually on my family. But I spent about a month praying about it and thinking about what to do. And I talked with my family, of course. I talked with my parents. I was very close to them, and I shared everything with them. And so um, after doing all that, God really led me after about a month of going through this process that, yes, I needed to write her back. And that did start a chain of letter writing that went on for um, almost a year. Now, it didn't have identifying information, but... Um, through that letter writing, I learned the rest of my story. Yes, and if for people who might just be coming in for their, our last segment here today, we are talking about with Amy Murray, who has written a book, Hope for a Better Life. And this will really encourage you. This will really encourage you to speak up for life for people like Amy. Amy is the face of a child that could have been aborted. Uh, her mother found herself in a very serious situation. And it also spotlights the option of adoption. There are options for women because Gary and Amy were often told, you know, we just love, we just love the baby in the womb. We don't care about the mother, the, you know, that not true because we found your mother found people who were caring for her yes. and, and so forth. So this is who we're talking to this morning now. So we're at the process. You've gotten a letter at 43 from your mom, your birth mom. Right. Do you write her back? You found out that she did have a child. And it was you, and she had <laughs> you in Greensboro. But as you wrote back and forth for a year, uh -huh. I think you found out some other information that makes your story, I think, Amy, even more for such a time as this. I agree, Lisa. It's a God story. So, um, you know, I learned a lot about my birth mom and the details of her life. And I learned she was a Christian lady. And um, I learned she got married at 56 years old and never had any other children. But I also learned that my birth mother um, 
was sexually assaulted, and that was what resulted in her becoming pregnant with me. And I tell you what, I was really shocked when I found that out. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. And prior to this knowledge, frankly, I had never really um, thought that abortion was a terrible thing. I felt that it was important in some cases. And suddenly I find out that, hey, I'm that 1% of people that um, most legislators say, well, you know, we need to um, allow women to abort babies when they're conceived in sexual assault. Um, and so, and I, so I'm suddenly so you're thankful. the face. Yes. You are the face of a hard case. Yes. And I know, and what one thing that struck me, Amy, about you is I've heard your testimony. Uh, you know we have got a lot of education to do to bring society around to full protection. Yes. But I think we're both very, we see movement in South Carolina that they've drawn a line now mm-hmm. at, 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 at 12 weeks. And I think your testimony, I think your testimony made a real difference in their seeing, putting a face a face on this child. So you find out I am one of the 1%. I That's am the right. face of the 1%. That's right. How do you think your mother was able? Here she is an immigrant to the United States. She is she has a green card but no guarantee she's going to get to stay and she finds herself pregnant um from a sexual assault. So Yes. How do you think she does it? How does she think she does it? Well, it was a con- lot of things, and she and I spoke um, about this. I thanked her for giving me life, and as I said, she was a Christian lady, and she knew it would be wrong to take a life, but that doesn't mean she didn't think about it at the time. Uh-huh. She admitted she thought about it, but of course, abortion um, was illegal back in the 1950s. I was born in 1957. And so abortions, you know, they were done probably in back alleys and that kind of thing. She said she did briefly think about it, but she knew it was wrong and she didn't feel she could do it. Um, but she had support. And this is something we need to remember to offer support for women in unplanned or crisis pregnancies now. She found support. She found the Red Cross home in Greensboro, North Carolina. She went and stayed there uh, for six months, and she received counseling and help while she was there. And the Red Cross Home for Unwed Mothers in Greensboro also was aligned with um, a wonderful adoption agency, the North Carolina Children's Home Society, and they... um, were able to place me um, with my with my wonderful parents. It was just the perfect placement. Oh my goodness, there were just so many reasons God revealed to me why um, my parents were the perfect ones for me. Um, so well, you just see God's sovereignty, don't you? Yes, that, that He cared for you. He knit you together in your mother's womb, uh, apart from uh, from circumstances that were difficult. Right, and and those circumstances did not demand the. Uh, it did not define you as a person, and it did not define your mother, and it mm. did not define your true identity of who you would become. That's right. It You really are so much more. And, you know, this is part of the gospel that I think we share as we reflect here during this Lenten season, moving into, into the resurrection of our Lord. Mm-hmm. And that is... If our identity is in Christ, our identity in anything else really is so secondary. 
And your mother, your biological mother, her identity was in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so she rose above her circumstances. She found support. And then she gave life. Mm-hmm. Because her identity was in Christ, and and that's what we all have the capability of doing. That's right. Now you you are so you reconnect with your mother, I believe. Yes, correct. Yes. So um, I did get to meet her and have a relationship with her, but it was so um crazy how it happened. So we had this year of writing letters back and forth with no identifying information, and after that point. After a year, we really knew each other well, and we're like, okay, we want to find each other's names and locations. We both wanted that information, and guess what? The adoption agency said, we can't provide it, and we're like, what? (laughs) So I think law still um, in North Carolina don't allow closed adoption information to be revealed to this day, but thank goodness the adoption agency helped us in a roundabout way. They, um, there were a lot of good uh, search agencies at the time, Mm -hmm. and they um, told me to tell Soundex search registry everything I knew, They told my birth mom to do the same, and she did. (laughs) So Soundex made the connection really fast, and when the man called me to say that um, he knew who my birth mother was and her location, he had confirmed it with North Carolina Children's Home Society. So they did confirm it for the Soundex reunion registry, which is a really great thing for them to do. Mm -hmm. And so you find out. Mm-hmm. That your mother is right in the same state, yes, uh, like thirty minutes from where oh. you your parents were living. Yes, here's the amazing thing. So you know, Sylvia, her name was Sylvia, and Sylvia came to Jacksonville, Florida, from England. That's where her aunt and uncle were. She found the Red Cross home in North Carolina. She went away to give birth to me. Well, my parents had grown up in North Carolina. And to this day, all of our family are in North Carolina for the most part. But my my parents had never planned to leave the state. But my dad's job, when I was three years old, transferred us to Jacksonville, Florida. And I could not believe when I found out she was living there. And that's where she had always been. And that's where... The sexual assault happened, and she worked in the building next door to my dad's office building, (laughs) and she was seven miles from my parents' house all that time. Is that not God's planning? Right. Oh, it was just amazing. Right. It really is amazing. And something that I also found in reading your book, by the way, I couldn't put it down. And I know you can get it on Amazon. Hope for a better life. Yes. You're not trying to make any money. You're just no. trying to get it out. No, it's, it's also at Barnes & Noble. And if you're in Greenville, South Carolina, you can go to First Presbyterian Church. It's at the Vineyard Bookstore. And you right. can and pick you it can, up there. And you can get it. I, it was really, it was really, really, uh, I couldn't put it down. Yeah, thank and th- you. this was. Um, Sylvia named me Hope. Yes. and She uh, named me Hope. And so there comes a title. She came to the United States and hoped for a better life. And then, of course, um, she gave me up for adoption and hoped that I would have a better life as well. That's wonderful. And she did something else that I found. And we've just got about two minutes left here. But she did something that I thought was amazing. Again, just God's hand on your life. Thank you. And and she was required at that time by this agency to keep you, I think, for about a month to care for yes, you yes. quickly. Mm-hmm. What during that month? She uh, can you imagine? But they wanted yeah. to make sure, you know, they and yeah. they had the mother care for you. She did something very special for you. She did, even though she knew she had to give me up. Um, for adoption 
due to the circumstances, um, she was required to care for me for th- for three weeks, and she had a baby dedication ceremony for me in Duke Chapel before she could give me up, and she did name me Hope and called me Hope during those those three to four weeks that she cared for me, and. Um, so it was just so amazing to to learn that. And you know what, Lisa, when I met her, it was near the end of her life, and she had never had any other children. But now she had a family. She had her daughter, her only daughter. She had a son-in-law. She had a granddaughter. And she would be so excited to know that now she has a great-grandson. My daughter has a little boy that's fixing to turn two next week. That is that is amazing. I wish we had uh, – I wish we had – started this at 10 after 8 this morning we didn't know how all, how all this was going to go but on my probably last day in the studio here with Gary I wanted to use it to really say thank you to Gary Gary has lifted up life and we thank you babies are alive today Gary Miller because of you Mm. Well, and I, was, and I was born in North Carolina, in Greensboro as well. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, how about that? And this, there are no coincidences. <laughs> no, no. And this lady, this lady, and her story is going to, I think, encourage other people to carry forward in tough situations. And you know, our crisis pregnancy centers are out there now. People don't have to go to Greensboro. We have adoption agencies here. We have St. Clair's House here. We have places for women. We have. We are going to care for women, and we're going to care for children. And I want you to be encouraged today as we leave that our state legislature is working to provide as much legal protection as they can and that people, people like you have a role to play. So stay informed. Get Amy's book. Again, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or First Presbyterian Church. We have a great bookstore down there. So on 200 West Washington Street, little <laughs> plug for our church. Little yes. plug. We're turning 175. We're celebrating. Yes, we if are. anybody wants to come next week. Okay, thank you, Gary Miller. Thank you, Amy, thank for you, all Lisa. you've done. Oh. And thank you to our audience for all you've done all these years to stand not just for life, but for the kingdom of God, our best.